Okay. So Monday night, um, I am scrolling through Instagram and, you know, zoning out as you usually do with the doom scroll and came across a post by Maria Hinojosa um, of Futura Media, formerly of NPR. And it was Mm -hmm. the bombshell that a leaked 90 something page opinion in the uh, Dobbs Supreme Court case had been leaked to Politico. And at that point, I think I poured myself a glass of wine and then texted the image to everyone I could think of. <laughs> and, and and I think I got that image and it was a good thing that I was already sitting down because if I wasn't, I don't know if I would have been upright because, yeah, I feel like we are just rolling on backwards in, in time. As, as my yeah. friend says, hustling backwards. We're hustling backwards here. Yep, can you believe this? Awesome. Now I can believe it and I can't believe it, right? I'm both not surprised and surprised. Well, and I, I think that's because you and I don't take these rights for granted because we know how hard earned they were to begin with. But mm-hmm. oh, let's dive into the foolishness, shall we? Yep. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. And use the code FEISTY for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash FEISTY. Raise your hand if you believe we need more women at our triathlons. The team at Lifetime is right there with you. Their main focus? The iconic Verizon New York City Triathlon coming up on July 24th. And Lisa, I did this race in 2016. And I have to say, it was like being shot out of a cannon with a thousand of your closest friends at the start of the swim. But I hear, unlike 2016, this year, they added a duathlon distance and implemented a rookie refund program, all to get more racers like you of every age, skill level, and background to race the greatest city in the world. So let's ride a better future for endurance sports together. 
Visit nyctry.com today and reserve your spot. That's nyctri.com today. So, Lisa, I've been trying to, instead of uh, doom scrolling, like you mentioned, which I usually do from time to time, I've been trying to stay up to speed with my Twitter platform and all the other social media stuff that I should be paying attention to, but just never put time into. And yeah, the WNBA's tweet, they had a really important statement about all of this leak foolishness and how we're hustling backwards here. And let me read to you what they said. The NBA believes all women have the right to autonomy over their bodies and fair and equal access to health care. We will continue to support and advocate for women and their personal decisions regarding their health. We also must act to protect women's rights and elections have consequences. That is why civic engagement and voting rights will remain a focus as we tip off the 2022 WNBA season. Mm. You know, that was so powerful to me because we've heard it before against NBA players who identified as black and male to shut up and dribble. And I'm so glad that the WNBA will not and has never just shut up and dribble. They've always had a voice, um, especially because Obviously, everybody in the league shares the oppressed identity group of being a woman or at least woman identified. And so given that, I'm just at a loss here because I'm like, how did I go to sleep and wake up one day and now I'm back, gosh, (laughs) eons, decades ago, where we're having to rehash things that I thought we already hashed. Didn't we already hash this? Yeah, we did hash this, but, you know, the opposition has been building and building and building since Reagan made it kind of a key um, component Mm -hmm. of the Republican uh, or the conservative right platform. And so it's like these um, conservative justices that got appointed to the court have been preparing for this for decades. Right. So, um, yes, yes. We listened to a funny podcast, Shauna and I, that um, talked about Samuel Alito and how much he um, was excited to get to write this opinion. So uh, we'll put the link to the podcast in our show notes, but it's pretty, it's pretty sad and funny at the same time if you need a little bit of a reprieve from the uh, sadness of all this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I really appreciated that WNBA statement because I think one of the things that's easy to do is for us to not make these broader connections. And so mm. when we're thinking yes. about you know, our area, endurance sport, this is going to have profound effects for women and people who can be pregnant on um, their access and participation, right? Because the right to choose what happens with their body or whether or not to carry pregnancy to term has a direct impact on their capacity to fully participate in society. And so couple that with all those losses in the pandemic, particularly for women who, you know, we've gone back, what, 50 years in terms of women's gains in employment. We are looking at such a um, devastating situation, I think. Mm -hmm. And this, Lisa, on the heels of what we already discussed in direct connection to the pandemic, which is, the throngs of women who left their full-time jobs because of the pressures of childcare, elder care, other responsibilities 
in the home due to the pandemic. So yeah, all of these dots are really closely connected because we already had a downtick in women in the workforce. And now this is just going to compound it. It kind of right. reminds me right. of, you know, a, a building collapse where we've had certain levels to collapse and now even more and more on top of women, unfortunately. And yeah. this, you know, compounds the issue for women generally that are not athletes as their profession, but very profoundly for women where being in a professional athlete is their profession. Training for the Olympics is their profession. There's so many things that uh, inhibit an already challenging task of making a living as a woman athlete. It's already difficult and you're making it even more difficult. Yeah. And I guess I, I feel like maybe we should backtrack a little bit because and I'm guessing most of our listeners have heard about this because this will be airing about a week after the bombshell. Yes. Just in case you've been living under a rock or somewhere completely different. Right. Um, it looks like this U.S. Supreme Court is going to completely overturn the 1973 decision Roe versus Wade and its counterpart, the 92 decision Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is going to mm-hmm. retract a right, which has never happened before in U.S. history. Oftentimes, um, folks will refer to uh, court cases such as, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson that created the separate book e- equal around uh, racial segregation. And then that was overturned, obviously, in Brown versus the Board of Education. But that is giving a right that is not removing one. So it's pretty uh, monumental in terms of kind of like historical that this has happened. And they're also overturning close to 50 years of precedent, which is very, very strange mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. one right. of the fundamental things at the supreme court is that they pay attention to precedent and they don't overturn it um right so that's a little recap there but you know to couple mm-hmm. with your point at the WNBA, so women's running also published an article today and they state that in sports lack of access to abortion care can end an individual's an individual athlete's career and cut off access to college. And it may also hinder girls and women's participation in sports more broadly, which is what we're saying, right? Um, Roe and Casey strengthen the practical impact of legislative guarantees of gender equality like Title IX. Um, so this is a really important decision. And you think about a young person gets pregnant they're not able to have an abortion and they're forced to carry that pregnancy to term because we're going to get into this in a little bit but it's not that just easy to roll into a fire station and give your baby up right like it just doesn't there's other impacts so that's right that's that's right gonna affect their ability to be independent to earn income to um be self-sustaining, buy a house, like go to college. I mean, all these pieces, I mean, participating in sport is, you know, just one of a bazillion things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of a bazillion things, you know, when it comes to the workplace, we already know that pregnancy discrimination still happens in the workplace. So imagine showing up to a job interview and, obviously presenting as pregnant, for example, there's just so many issues that come along with it. And, you know, what gets me is, you know, a lot of what I've read and heard and listened to very intentionally goes back to that understanding of stare decisis, right? So let me, let me pull back, Lisa, let me go all the way back to high school where Miss Mason in high school taught me all my Latin, right? And stare decisis et non quieta movere, that just means that, you're going to stand by things that you decided. And the non quieta movere means we're not going to disturb the calm, 
right? And that's exactly what's happened here is that there's been this accumulated understanding across Supreme Court justices that we're now saying, oh, we're ready to shake it up. And so it's almost like, um, what do they call it? A Pandora's box where, okay, we're going to reopen something that wasn't meant to be opened. And so what does that mean for the power to reopen other things that we said we were not going to reopen, right? And so- I'm like, I'm I'm not an attorney, but what I do know is that words matter. And if we're going to stand by stare decisis, my question now is, even for decisions that have been made that I personally don't agree with, I don't want to retry them necessarily on a lot of things. I don't want people to have to go back through the trauma of having to rehash things. Th- that to me is just interesting that it does open a whole can of worms that I'm not sure the country is prepared for. Right. Um, that right. that builds that kind of builds on the tales of Roe v. Wade being being revisited. It just it, it really frightens me. It does frighten me. I think it is frightening. Right. And I think that um, the other pieces, I, I think Alito was said something to the effect of that. Roe was egregiously decided, right? It was yes, really yes. problematic from the very start and we're returning it to the states as if to return it to the states um, is a neutral decision, right? Like the Supreme mm-hmm. Court being quote, quote, silent on the issue as they always should have been is not mm-hmm. neutral. And the other thing is mm-hmm. that you then have a pop popcorn or a puzzle of states that some allow it and some don't. That's right. And so then- you know, because abortion isn't going away, right? So rich people right. who travel will get abortions and people who live in blue states will be able to get abortions. And folks who live in red states um, who um, are lower income and do not have access to good health care and do not have access to clinics and cannot travel across state lines. I mean, I think there are actually some states are actually going to criminalize helping an individual right. go across state lines. That's right. Abortion care. You know, so this is an extremely classist and racist um, move. Yes. And the precedent that you talked about, yeah, it's not disturbing the calm. Well, they're really disturbing the calm here. Like they've literally dropped a massive boulder into a small pond, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, ah, that's how I feel. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And the the Guttmacher Institute, I'm just looking it up really quickly here. They're counting 26 states that that are considered certain or even likely to to ban abortion based on laws passed before. So, you know, given this, that freaks me out. I'm also um, a little bit of a tangent here, but to come back to athletes, a little bit of a tangent is I'm afraid for our medical community that's already on its knees at this point when it comes to providing care that I do not want healthcare providers to be afraid to do their job. I don't want them to be afraid where someone, you know, hears that their name is, is involved with the care of a woman and then, or a parent, excuse me. And all of a sudden they're in harm's way as well. Problematic. It's so problematic. And you know, the ripple effect that that's my fear is that nobody's really considering the ripple effect beyond, oh, it's the right thing to do to keep the fetus alive. And then what? Like, you know, it goes back to, you know, what we've talked about before is that, you know, are we a country that's a pro-birth country? And if we are, what does that mean for the ripples? Right. 
And so, you know, this is so challenging to me. And I think, you know, when it comes to body autonomy, you know, I'm thinking about those athletes who are used to having complete control of their body because their body is their instrument. It's their tool. It's, you know, what they use in order to earn money. And so if you cannot use your body to earn money, what does that mean as far as your livelihood, the child's livelihood that people are are acting as if they're protecting? Come on, get out of here. And then to know, which is terrifying, especially as a black woman in this country, I, I remember before having both of my children, I had to sign very clear paperwork. I wouldn't say necessarily a living will, but a document that said that if things get dicey, what would you prefer? Would you prefer for us to, as best as possible, save your life or the child's life if we know we can't save both? And this is problematic to me because I'm thinking to myself, who wants to make that decision either way? Like I had two children that I wanted and we planned for, and that was still a scary document to sign. So imagining that for someone else who had not made that choice, I just, it's very scary. And I would love to think about this in a way that, you know, brings some proximity to this where women or parents or other individuals who have no plans of having a child or having more children, this still applies to you. It still applies to you. There's still a a ripple effect that affects you as well. Yeah. Frightening. Yeah. And to go off of that point, so the fabulous Alyssa Gadeski, uh, co-host of Iron Women podcast through Feisty Media, she was quoted in this women's running article. And uh, she says that even if this doesn't affect me directly, I know it affects someone that's just one degree from me. And it's important to me that each woman out there that I'm competing against and that wants to have an athletic life has control over the choices which regulate their body and therefore their career. So mm, yes, mm-hmm. a thousand times yes, Alyssa. Um, mm-hmm. That's exactly it, right? there. And so for the two of us who aren't necessarily going to be having any more kids or any kids, um, right, right, that doesn't right. mean that we shouldn't care and pay close attention to the effects of this decision, both for women and for people who um, mm-hmm. are can get pregnant, but also just this larger um insidious control of women's bodies that has been kind of bubbling under the surface, but now is just kind of broken out like the volcano and the lava, right? With this Mm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, and to your point earlier, Shona, and you're saying we're hustling backwards. It does. It just feels like we're going backwards. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we're thinking about that global DEI podcast we did, like what are other countries well, I mean, what are, what are they think, thinking, right? They're looking at us and they're thinking that Trump could get elected again in 2024 and right. people are blaming Biden for the lack of action when actually that's two senators and mm. the Republican Party most, like it's just like such a clusterfuck and there's a complete lack of understanding around some of the nuances of these issues. And I yeah. think we, we, have a, we have such a responsibility to step up Um yeah. Yep. 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 Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, again, I have good friends that keep me hip to all the information when it comes to, um, you know, health and, you know, the healthcare system and so forth. And 
uh, we can put a link in in the show notes on social determinants of health specifically for folks who haven't heard of it. But it does remind me of this because it's contextual. You know, it's contextual if, um, you know, if you had a young mother and now maybe you're a young mother or even you're not a young mother, but you're in a situation socioeconomically where you don't have access to what you need to be the best parent you may want to be, that is contextual. That is very contextual. And so given that, you know, what does that mean as far as the trickle down, the maternal health, body changes, the cost of pregnancy? Let me be clear, Lisa, when I had my oldest son on a Wednesday and I had insurance, in fact, I had good state insurance because I was working for the state at the time. I had Trey on Wednesday and not only did we get one bill, we got two bills because remember, there were two patients, the mother and the child two bills that arrived at my house by Friday, our first day home, that was around $3,600 for a C-section. And I had insurance. Okay. So the cost of pregnancy, that doesn't include feeding a child. That doesn't include anything else you need. Just getting them here, just getting them to their first breath. So cost of pregnancy, healthcare access, family leave, if you have it, which a lot of places still do not have necessarily in regards to paid leave, Um, So that goes into the loss of pay from work. Also, any subsequent health issues, because I had both of my sons, and then I also had yet another surgery when my youngest son was about three. It, It goes on and on and on. Then on top of that, the mental health concerns, because even in the best situations, parents deal with postpartum depression. So I'm imagining some of the worst situations you're dealing with that yet to a different degree. Do you have mental health uh, access to to mental health professionals? All of this goes on and on and on. A kid is not cheap. You hear me? They're not. They're not cheap. And I I remember when um, at the time we, we had both of the boys and I remember it was a running joke where you just had to laugh to keep from crying because having two kids in daycare was actually more than a mortgage on a four bedroom house. And so we used to uh, kind of determine back and forth, okay, well, you know, every once in a while, one of us got a raise or a promotion or what have you. Whoever made the most money actually had the largest bill and the largest bill happened to be daycare. And so we functioned in our household as if we had three mortgages, our house mortgage, our daycare mortgage, and our school loan mortgage, because both of us had terminal degrees. So for people who, in in my situation where we planned to have both of our boys, we wanted them desperately, we put money away, we had family members to help us out, one can of formula which only lasted a week was close to $40. We used to call it the steak dinner for Trey because he had a specific type of formula uh, that he had to use. And people are talking about not allowing folks to make a decision with their bodies with all of that fallout. That's why I'm at a place now where I have two and I'm still like, look, that's my hell no for the day, Lisa. Hell no, I'm not having any more kids because they're so damn expensive. And you and I make we're decent. Okay. We're comfortable and we eat comfortably compared to a lot of the world and still would not choose to have a kid because of social socioeconomic status. So what does this mean for people who are not in our position in society? Yeah. And they are going to be the people most harmed, right? Because exactly. 
this isn't going to affect, like we mentioned before, wealthy individuals. Um, And there's also this uh, risk of illegal abortions happening, right? Going back to the 1973 time where folks were dying or being maimed by uh, dodgy and sketchy uh, abortion techniques that were not safe. And it just feels like that's not, it just, it feels like these men with one woman um, think that being pregnant is delightful and that people, you know, folks who are pregnant are running around barefoot with flowers in their hair and it's always sunshine and there's no cost and there's no pain and there's no risk to your life. And why on earth wouldn't you want to have a child and shame on you for having any kind of sexual intercourse um, if you didn't want it to result in a child because you are this vessel that holds this life and everything's roses and flowers and puppies. That's what it feels like. And that's just not the reality of being pregnant, right? Like I know several not even close. who've had very, very hard pregnancies um, and they don't want to do it again. You know, no, nope, not at all. Not at all. And I, yeah, I, I'm with you hundred percent. They don't want to do it again. They, and, and the fact of the matter is, even if you, even if you do want to have another child, there still may be a case where there's a problem or the, a medical condition or something that happens where you have to make a medical, con, a medical decision around your body. And I'm sorry, I do not want someone telling me what to do with my body, period. If I'm 75 and decide, oh, I'm gonna try again. Well, if yeah, fine. I don't want anyone telling me I can't do it. Maybe I'm just on the principle of it, Lisa, but it's just, right. to me, right. it's again, asking people who, or, or not even asking, putting people in mm-hmm. positions of power to make decisions who could not be further from the reality of producing a child. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's actually true. A critique, a true critique of the Supreme Court in general is that the decisions that they make um, affect people's lives in ways that they would never have to deal with. Right. Never. Like, never. Um, that's right. You know, decisions around mental health and standing for trial or whether if you're going to like a parental rights hearing, whether or not you should have an attorney or a whole mm-hmm. host of other issues that they're just so far from their reality. They make these decisions in abstract by interpreting the law, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, without bias, which you know, aside is complete bullshit because there's absolutely right, right, there right. with any of us. And then, right. you know, the folks on the ground, the folks who have the least access to healthcare, to support, to social work, to any kind of power are the ones that are damaged. But, you know, they don't absolutely because they're these like highfalutin people. And what's really interesting, Shauna, is I used to love the Supreme Court. Like I took constitutional law. I did U.S. Ah. science. Like I grew mm-hmm. up with this. I wanted to get a PhD in it. Like I loved it. And mm-hmm. over the last several years of living in the United States, my whole idea and kind of image of the U.S. Supreme Court and constitutional law has just shifted dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I used to think that this was a court that would support right 
right, would Mm -hmm. like do the right thing and would expand rights and would be this final level that would shut down bigotry. And it just isn't that at all. Mm -hmm. No, no, not at all. Well, let's, let's go there then as we kind of wrap things up. You know, I'm thinking about, this is a question for both of us. What would we say to an individual that's a listener of ours who is pro-life, but we want them to consider the, the ripples, right? What will, we, what will we say to them in regards to the ripples that occur and the, in general, and then the ripples that occur specifically to athletes? Um, and, you know, my response to that is, you know, this is not a, uh, how can I say, this is not a vendetta where we want to have population control. This is literally control over the entire nexus of a person's life and how a child changes it. One way or the other, a child changes it. And then as far as being an athlete, what you're saying to an individual who can give birth, who's an athlete, is that you no longer can have your profession either for a short period of time or a long-term period of time. And both of those are problematic for me. They're problematic. But what, what would you say to, to someone who's a, a pro-lifer pol- politically that's a listener that we want them to know? I mean, I think the arguments have been, you know, stretched out over time. But one of the distinctions I have found quite useful is that it's actually framing it as a pro-choice or anti-choice argument versus mm-hmm. pro-life or anti-life, because I wouldn't say that the pro-choice people are anti-life, right? Um, and so right. I think that thinking about what does it mean to restrict women and folks who can become pregnant so drastically that they no longer get to decide what happens to their body when this, when pregnancy is hard and expensive and difficult. And certainly Mm -hmm. maybe the answer is, well, just, you don't, don't ever have any kind of sex that could lead to pregnancy. Right. Mm -hmm. But that also Mm -hmm. feels like unworkable and completely ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. um, I think I would encourage people to think about it in terms of choice and creating an environment where women, folks who can get pregnant, have the most choices available to them and get to make the decisions that are informed and supported by their family and their friends and what is important to them at that time. And if being an athlete and that's their career and pregnancy Mm -hmm. gets in the way of that, then they have the right to choose something different and Mm-hmm. I think that is a persuasive argument. Maybe it's not persuasive enough, but for me, I like thinking about it in terms of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think again, this, this whole topic is a huge hell gnaw <laughs> because we're not down for this reversal. Uh, as you can probably tell, um, we're, we're also not uh, down to shut down people that have different perspectives on this topic. We want to be as complex as possible. Um, I don't think Lisa and I are going to change our decisions on this. However, um, we are open to different perspectives on the topic. So for those that want to reach out to us about it, 
feel free to do so. Absolutely. Because we would like to hear perspectives on it. Um, and also Lisa, I would say what, what would be our, our hell yeah. Um, for this week, because I think maybe mm-hmm. the, the hell maybe, maybe whoever leaked this, I'm not sure yet. Time may tell. I don't know. Right. right. Yeah. The, the, the leak is not, is it, what was it? The podcast woman said, is it an issue? It's not the issue. The issue is yes. the role in back of women's rights. Um, I think the hell yeah is seeing the athletic community, WNBA, women's running, triathlete, mm-hmm. um, US yeah. women's soccer, people really coming out forcefully to articulate the general problem with this, but also how it specifically affects them and their colleagues and players mm. as athletes, right? Like it has a, it has the potential to really harm um, women's athletics, women's sport. And we are in mm-hmm. year 50 since Title IX, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how ridiculous is that? We're in the 50th anniversary of that law that expanded sports, uh, lots of sports to women and um, the Roe versus Wade decision comes down, which will have a detrimental effect on women's participation in sport. Mm-hmm. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit for purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items on orca.com, use the code LIVEFEISTY15. Feisty Triathlon is proudly partnered with TryHard. TryHard is the only company offering pre and post swim solutions to provide comprehensive protection for your hair and skin. Its products include swimmer shampoo, pre and post swim conditioner, pre and post swim lotion, and more. All products are made with clean formula and are parabens free, SLS free, alcohol free, cruelty free, vegan, and non GMO. And to boot, bottles are made with 80% recycled plastic. So why don't you swim without compromising your skin and hair? Unfazed listeners get 15% off all TryHard products by going to tryhard.co and using the code FEISTY15. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.